You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul. Welcome to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. It's great to have everyone back. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have an excellent guest for you. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Gretchen Potts is in the house. She has an amazing array of education background. She's taught at Cal State Fullerton for 12 years. She taught uh, younger children for over eight years. She's a nationally exhibited artist. She even ran a business teaching art. Um, I really love the creative aspect that she's going to bring to this conversation because not all of the teachers that are out there necessarily are the mathematical science ones. A lot of them have a creativity gene inside of them. And what they can see about learning processes is absolutely fantastic. Gretchen has shown me an amazing array of learning processes in our pre-conversations leading up to this, and I can't wait to dive in. Welcome to the show, Gretchen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, we've had a couple conversations uh, in our times just uh, having met each other recently, and you really, really struck home with the learning processes and, and some of the things we talked about right off the bat um, as far as tenacity, drive, and motivation were really some things that sparked you um, as a teacher when you watched these kids. You know, when we're thinking about successful habit creation that starts not only, you know, in college, but can lead back to middle school and high school. What are some of the students you've seen who've had successful habits that have led them to positive outcomes? What is something in them that you've seen? Um, a couple of things I've noticed with uh, the ones that, you know, really stand out that I know are going to succeed that I don't feel like I have to, you know, guide as much as others. Um, tenacity. Um, have that, uh, you know, the, the push to do things on their own, um, to see a problem and, uh, and want to immediately fix it. Um, one of the things I'm always amazed by are people who will stand outside of a locked door or a shut door and assume it's locked. Um, that's one of my, uh, life lessons. I always tell my students, especially when I walk up to a, a classroom where students are standing outside and the door shut, I always ask them, did anybody try to open the door? Or did just everybody assume that it was locked? Um, so it's those, you know, the ones that, you know, they don't see things as blockades. They, you know, they, you know, their, their tenacity drives them through life. Um, and then I guess I just said the second one, which is drive and passion or drive or passion. Um, uh, you have to really, you know, adulting's hard. Life is hard. You have to really figure out what you like to do in life. And that kind of fuels your, your passion fuels your drive and your drive fuels your passion. Um, and you have to keep, you know, that's, that's changing consistently or, you know, things change consistently and it's, but it's always trying to figure out, you know, kind of what your motivation is and, and, um, stay, kind of staying on top of that. Um, and then I guess I kind of le led myself into the third thing I think, um, that I noticed the most is, um, the students that can, um, roll with the punches or, you know, realize that life changes and things change and just because things don't work out the way that you thought they were going to. Uh, you figure out how to kind of maneuver through that. I think one thing that I've learned in the last couple of years, um, even as an adult, is that life, you can plan in life, but things change and, and life, you know, 
throws you curveballs. Um, and as much as we think we're doing the right thing, you know, when we're graduating from college and we're setting ourselves up to, you know, have this job forever or, you know, to, you know, on the right path to make sure, you know, we're successful, like things change, the world changes, the workforce changes, um, our lives change and all, you know, those plans don't always work out. And a majority of the time, actually, they don't work out. And, and how are you going to maneuver through that? So um, it's people that can kind of keep, you know, keep dodging and weaving, I guess, for a, a lack of a better term. Well, a lot of what you just said really is I got a foundation in the growth mindset. And I've been doing a lot of research on growth mindset for the course of this show. And in fact, I was talking to another uh, teaching professional earlier this morning, and we were talking about change being inevitable and having a growth mindset is what allows some of those students to be able to float directly into, okay, well, this changed. What, what can I do now with the, with the change that's just occurred? And that drive, that tenacity, that motivation, you know, that, change, that growth mindset is something that's instilled into children at a young age, uh, generally by other teachers, by the parents, by other adults that are around them. Uh, I'd be very interested in seeing, like, have you been able to notice over your course of teaching someone throughout the entire semester, being able to see them gravitate more towards a growth mindset when perhaps when you first met them, they were fixed? Or is this something that's so ingrained, it's tough for them to break through? You know, I see, I see growth with students. I, I think it's the ones that are more, you know, there's definitely a, an openness, kind of an eagerness to learn and be open. Uh, I encounter students sometimes that are just, you know, so closed and they're, you know, I don't know if they were never taught to that you listen, that people actually can teach you and guide you. So be open to learning. Um, you know, I, I had a student one time who was so talented, amazingly talented kid, um, great artist, but he always did the minimal amount of work. It was always the minimal amount. He sat for most of class. He wouldn't spend a lot of time thinking about what he was doing. And he just did the bare minimum. And he looked at me one, and, you know, I, I kept, you know, in the in beginning of a class, I always let kind of the students kind of work on their own. And I, I really observe and try to figure them out and, and how I can best um, teach them. And so I, you know, I sat back for a while and I just watched him and, and realized that, he, you know, he was just bare minimum all the time. And he kind of had a junky attitude and just not really, you know, excited about what he was doing. And this is college. So if these are your major classes, enjoy it. Or if you don't join them, find something that you do enjoy because this is what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. And so I finally set him down at a conversation. He looked at me and said, well, C's get degrees. And I said, you know, I don't know who misinformed you, but they do not. You cannot get C's in your major classes. You won't graduate. Um, and it was almost like somebody had never told him doing the minimums not going to get you anywhere and we I went on to tell him that doing the minimums not going to get you very far so uh, I saw a little bit of a and I think I was the first even though he was doing good work I was the first professor who'd given him C's and a lot of it was reflective of his and we had this conversation a lot of it was reflective of his attitude and his work ethic and that's a large part of my grade component is, are, do you have a good attitude and are you working hard? Um, because it's not just about me teaching you art concepts, it's about me teaching you how to get through life. And so um, I was the first one who was like, well, it's good. And I said, yes, it's good. It's okay. It's not great. And your you know, attitude behind it is, is not great. And, and so that reflects in your work. 
And so it's, you know, I do find there are times you can get through to them depending on how you approach it. Um, but I will say there's ones that, you know, from, from minute one, I see that have, they just have that spark. They have that very clear idea about what they want to do. And they're very connected and, you know, self-confident, uh, about what they're doing. And that, um, I think that comes from a lot of things. I think it comes from, you know, being ingrained with them, with, you know, from parents, from teachers, um, from themselves, uh, and just, you know, maybe their experiences in life. So um, that's very interesting. This is going to segue great into the four learning styles that you discussed, because there's clearly one that you noticed in this student and there's some, and you've noticed learning styles in all students. I mean, this one, you know, this young man was, you know, taught that C's get degrees and that you can just, you know, half butt your way all the way through school, which would be interesting to see how an employer would take that on down the road or, you know, you know, if he, if he wants to be a professional artist and, and exhibit and get paid to do that, you know, what kind of work ethic is going to cause him to push through and actually, you know, get work done so that he can have open that exhibit or so that he can sell a piece to afford rent. There's a lot of fixed mindset in what he was saying. And, uh, you know, hopefully did you see before we segue over to the four learning styles, did you see any improvement in his attitude and his work workflow production once you had this conversation with him? Yes, absolutely. I did. And towards the end of the semester, he was working much harder. Um, and, and that then just him, his change in attitude, um, you know, affected the outcome of his projects and the quality of his projects. There was just a lot more substance to them. Um, and like I said, talented kid, you could see it. I mean, his, the minimal that he did was great. He just kept doing the minimal. Uh, and you know, it's, I've had other students in other classes tell me that as well as C's get degrees. And I said, well, you know, it, realistically, everybody gets the same piece of paper. When you graduate, everybody gets the same piece of paper. And unless you're going to graduate school or doing a few other things, nobody's going to look at your transcripts. No. So, I, you know, they don't. And so then why are we doing this? It's what you get. And as I tell my, you know, people all the time is what you put into it is what you get out of. Everybody's having the same experiences. Mostly they're all taking the same classes um, and they're all getting the same piece of paper. So it's the, the, you know, it's the habits and the, again, the guess the, the, the drive and the tenacity that you have for what you're doing that's going to follow you into your professional life. So, you know, that is just a piece of paper. It's not just about that piece of paper. It's about all these other things that you learn and um, develop, you know, throughout life and, and throughout, you know, getting your degree that's going to help you get a job. Right. So this, the degree is the same. I look back at my college years and there was some classes I put a tremendous amount of effort into and I learned a great deal. And that was the learnings for me, what I can take with it and where I can go off and get a job after the fact and, and the kind of talents I'll be able to bring and, and the motivation. You know, that's all on me. You know, my dad, one of his favorite sayings I remember as a kid was you can't turn work ethic off and on like a light switch. You either have it or you don't. And it's really stuck with me. And so no matter, you know, if it's mowing my lawn or if it's just taking out the garbage, like it's all about doing the best job possible. Because uh, my dad did not always do the best job possible. My mom would tear into him a lot because of that. And so I, I look back at 
the way I was shown how to work, you know, via my dad, you just don't turn work ethic off and on. And then my mom saying, you know, sometimes your dad just, you know, half asses it. And that's just not acceptable. If you're going to, if I ask you to do something, do it right. Cause if not, you just have to go back and, and redo it again. Yeah. Uh, when you are, you know, through all your years, and this is really what captivated me as we got to conversating the other day was that you've noticed certain learning styles in these students and no doubt other people have written books and, and, yada yada on that but what I really was fascinated by was just your take on it because you are you know art history teacher you're an art teacher so you're seeing people in it with a major in an art you know I'm a journalism major um, and that was bachelor's of science you're actually the bachelor's of arts degrees and so the learning styles that you must see with people who really are trying to not trying they are actually tapping into that creativity that's that's what's going to propel them into their careers that absolutely fascinates me. I have no artistic ability. I cannot draw. My barns look like a four-year-old drew them. <laughs> so um, I want to get into the learning styles because I really think that my listeners are going to be able to hear from your words um, themselves in these four major descriptions that you've come up with. So we, we let's run through. We come up with the names before. Uh, we got the number one was the no fear. Number two was the procrastinator. Number three was the spinner or the overthinker. And number four, what did we come up with? Um, loss of vision? No, we didn't like loss. Squadrons, his, he, uh, the person that, that squanders their vision. Squander, yeah, the, the vision squanderer. Yes. And these are just, I mean, when you explain them to me, I'm just like, I, I see a little bit of myself in a lot, but definitely in the vision squanderer, where mm-hmm. I start off with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and motivation. And uh, I've, all, I've generally thought about myself, I'm 80%. I am fired up. And then I get to that last 20% and whether it's a fear or something that takes over, I just tend to, to just start to dissipate that energy and move it to somewhere else. Um, we'll get into that one, but let's talk about the no fear one, because I think the other three are based in fear. And I really want to focus on this first one that is all no fear based. Okay. Well, I, first I, you know, when we were first talking, uh, I called them processes and that's, you know, I, explain to you that when I, you know, teach an art class, so a studio art class where I'm presenting projects to students and then they start working and, and, you know, what people don't realize is that's, you know, 90% of the, the time spent or more in a studio art studio classrooms, a lot of people don't know is making the art. So it's, I present them with a project and they, um, you know, then they work and I guide them through that. And I approach projects in a way where I give them the concept for the project. I give them, if there's a materials, you know, limit that we're going to use, I, you know, tell them what materials we're going to use. I do a few short demos, but I don't ever, I I rarely ever show them examples and I don't give them exact, really strict, hard parameters. And the reason is, is if I did that one, it would be, um, about my work and not theirs. And two, it would be um, about my vision and not theirs. And two, you know, a lot of these people are going into, um, you know, industrial uh, industrial design or graphic design where they're going to have clients who think they know exactly what they want you doing, what they want done, but they really don't know what they want done. <laughs> so you've got to be able to guide them and you've got to be able to give them your vision. And if your vision is based upon exactly what somebody else is telling you, you're not going to be that successful. The weird thing I've noticed 
is a lot of my graphic design students that I get for 3D design um, are so used to having, okay, we're doing an album cover. It must, you know, have this person, this photograph on it, must be done in this font and these colors and this size and blah, 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 whatever. And so they're, you know, they're looking at me in shock saying, what do you mean you're not giving me any more guidance? And I'm like, oh, I'm here for guidance, definitely. But it's your project. So you got to tell me what you're doing. Um, and I present them with the project. Um, and then I kind of sit back and I, I for, especially for the first project, I just kind of observe. I don't, I walk around a lot in my class. Um, I'm very good at seeing if a student's going to have, getting ready to have a meltdown and I'll step in. But for really for the first project, I really just like to sit back and just watch. And the reason, um, and of course, you know, I'm not saying that I just let them flounder and fail, um, but I like to, I like to look for their process. I like to see how they work. And the reason is, is because I feel like that's where I can really help. Again, I'm not there just to teach them art concepts. I'm there to help them figure out how to develop a professional demeanor. And, you know, they need to be self-aware of how they work. A lot of these people are going to be working independently and on their own um, in an office or, you know, on projects or as a, you know, independent contractor. And they need to figure out, you know, what their process is. So, yes, I have realized that there are definite, you know, there's these kind of categories of people that I usually kind of see consistently. And, and the one that you mentioned, the first one was the person with no fear. And that's a person that, um, as I've given them, you know, as I've presented the project, you know, they may take a few notes, they may um, kind of, you know, ask a few questions, but for the most part, they just jump right in and start working. And this always fascinates me because I don't even know that I was, you know, I definitely, you know, can be categorized in a couple of these. I think it depends on the situation, but there are some students or some people with that are consistently the no fear person. They just jump in and immediately start working. And, you know, they, there's, there's no fear. They, you know, figure, they know that they're probably, you know, the, the best thing they can do is to start working to figure out how to make their vision best be successful. And they know that if they sit there and they overthink it or they, you know, um, procrastinate, then that's not going to get them anywhere. So they just get their hands moving. Uh, and that's, that's the person that I, I know that throughout the semester, I'm probably, uh, not going to have to give a whole lot of, um, assistance and guidance to, I, of course I check in with them and, uh, um, as I do all my students, but it's usually those students that, um, you know, really don't, you know, they're very under, you know, they have very clear concept. And the funny thing is, is usually if there isn't something that they know or they, you know, I give them a suggestion, they're also the most open to taking suggestions. I think that's one of the things that, that um, fascinates me too about the no fear person is um, even though they have a very clear concept and almost no fear of what they're doing, um, they almost seem like more excited when I say, you know, you could do it like this and it might be a little easier, it might go a little better. Or what if we move this over here? And they're the ones that get the most excited about somebody presenting them something different than what they had envisioned. That's awesome. I mean, that's some growth mindset functionality right there to be able yeah. to take you, you, you got a vision the moment the assignment's done. And, and now of course, being a natural human, I immediately look back at whenever I was in graphic design school back at the university of Florida. And that was my attitude when they said design a CD cover and you know, this is the kind of band it is. And here's the 15 photos you can choose from. It was just like, just jump in and start making things. Cause I don't really know what 
what will work and what won't work until I start to actually build it up. And there was a growth mindset there. Whereas like, you know, the worst thing that can happen from trying 15 times and not liking them is that you've at least tried 15 times and you know what you're not happy with. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I talk a lot about, especially with my um, studio art classes is, you know, most of what I teach is sculpture and 3d design. And, and those are very difficult things for a lot of people because most, most students have had, you know, drawing and painting or at least drawing in, you know, elementary school or middle school and high school. <clears throat> um, but 3D design is something a lot of them haven't had. So it's new to almost all of them. And one thing that I tell them that's a little different is a lot of 3D design and sculpture is uh, problem solving. You're going to have to figure out how to make this material work the way you need it or want it to work. And you've probably never used it like this before. So you have to figure out how to do that. And the only way to really do that is through doing it. Um, and one of the, the things that I have them that I, the, one of the first things we do in class is we watch a video on an artist that I absolutely love um, named Andy Goldsworthy. And the reason I, I love him for many reasons, but um, one of the things that absolutely fascinates about him is, is that his process, every time he makes a new work, he uses a different material or it's in a different environment. So he says in his video um, that it's almost like he's shaking hands with his materials. And many times his, he has collapses and materials that aren't working the way he knew them to work before or in a different environment they worked. And he has to redo a lot of his pieces over and over and over again. And he never gives up. He has this calmness to him. And you can even see him in the video kind of losing patience on a piece that collapses eight times, I think, before he finishes it um, or gets it to work out. But that's the whole, my whole motivation for having them watch a video is just to see that, is to see that each time, and he says the same thing in the video, is each time I'm learning it more and more and understanding it more and more. So those failures aren't, you know, I think it was, was it Einstein that said, you know, if you're not failing, you're not succeeding or it's something I totally probably just slaughtered that, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's the same thing. It's, if you're not doing it, then, and figuring out what doesn't, doesn't work, then you're not figuring out, you know, how to make it work. And, you know, each time you fail, you figured out how to do it better. So that's, um, you know, that's part of, of the whole process of art is, um, and kind of life in general, if you really think about it is, you know, we try things and that didn't work. So let me try it a different way. Um, and I think that kind of feeds back into the tenacity thing is, is how much are you willing to fight through the, you know, the failures or the, the blockades to get to, you know, your end result. And that's really what I want the listeners to understand. There's a, another quote, which I might butcher, is that in order to increase your success rate, you have to increase your failure rate. And I, I went over here and I Googled Andy Goldsworthy because I wanted to see what this guy's <laughs> all about. And uh, yeah, if y'all are out there and you're listening to this and you have the ability to, to, to keep listening to the podcast and also jump on Google, uh, the guy does some amazing things in nature with these little bridges and stones. And it's no doubt the guy will sit there and Edison the thing out and have 99 failures before he finally gets the one. Um, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. And, and this makes me think of the procrastinator process that you were, that we mentioned earlier, they will, you know, I, I wouldn't have you describe it, but right off the bat, I think if the procrastinator is going to spend, 
50% more of their time just sitting there and taking notes and deciding what they want to do and talking about it. And I've seen these people in the newsroom and in different places where, you know, it's, it's just a whole lot of blah, 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 not a whole lot of worky, worky, worky. And yes. then ultimately, you know, they're sitting there and here comes the deadline and they've only actually been working on it for a few hours. Whereas the no fear person, let's say it was a 20 hour project. They've been working on it since second one. And so when they get done with it at hour 15, they've still got five hours to tinker with it. Whereas the procrastinator is not going to have that much time. Right. Yes. I, that's, that's one thing I, I like to point out with people who have a tendency to procrastinate in the, in the beginning is, you know, and, and it, it, you know, procrastination, I mean, we could talk about that forever. Is it fear-based? Is it, you know, uh, you know, do you just, or, you know, are you, are you just downright, you know, fearful and downright scared? Um, you know, what is that? I mean, we could talk about that forever, but whatever it is, is you've now spent all this time thinking um, or, you know, just not doing or doing other things. And now you've limited your time to actually get your thing finished. And then you aren't, you know, it's not as successful. So that's what, you know, when I notice I have a student who procrastinates in the beginning, I make them aware of, you know, and some of them, I give them a timeline, you know, okay, you have, um, you know, and these are the people that I have to give more rules with, right? <laughs> Is, yeah. you know, next class, I want to see this, 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 and this. Uh, and, um, uh, so again, this is all individual and this is why I like to see how the students work is, um, you know, because you only have, and I try to teach them fine. If you're procrastinating in the beginning, that's perfectly fine. And that's why I, I do this is I want them to be self-aware. Like, oh, I procrastinate. Great. Self-awareness is half the problem. That's half the battle. As long as you're aware that we all work differently and all these ways of working are fine. You just need to be aware of it. Um, so, you know, if you procrastinate in the beginning, then limit the time you have to procrastinate, you know, right. set up a whatever you need to do um, to. And so that's what I try to reinforce with that person. And then to get them to realize that you've now limited your time at the end. And it's that end part that's the important part. You can spend all your time talking about it or, you know, a good portion of your time thinking about it or writing notes or whatever. And, you know, then you, unfortunately what you've done is you now limited your work time or your, you know, your actual completion time. And then the most important part is that finishing part. It, because if you're not, you know, if you're not enough time, if you're crammed at the end trying to get it finished quickly, it's not going to be the best it can be. And then unfortunately all that time that you did put in working is really just kind of moot and pointless. Yeah. Because you're, you know, it, it's like, it, it's like oversleeping and then did you have time to not comb your hair and brush your teeth in the morning then you're having a meeting and people are looking at you like oh that's not a you know i don't want to be <laughs> absolutely i mean i look back at my journalism being a journalism major uh right off the bat the moment the assignment gets done if i know i have to interview five people i go and get those interviews done that day or the next day like i i would crank that part out the writing of the story i'd wait till two days before it was due and inevitably be finishing up the project you know the night before running out of sleep and where i was making my silly little errors was grammatical you know right. getting the word effect and uh, an effect wrong and in your and there and little commas misplaced and like this was the stuff that was ultimately costing me the most points and i quickly realized it's all because i decided that i was going to wait till the night before to write the paper and i had no time to polish right. and i think that's where the procrastinator loses loses the advantage is uh, well 
besides the fact that they procrastinated was that they don't have time to polish. And you're right. I could jump in, you know, and you and I could discuss how procrastination and perfectionism are both the children of fear. Um, and I think that's important for someone to understand is why are they procrastinating? It's right. the perfectionist who might, the no fear person might start off right off the bat and then sit there and tinker with that last 3% of the project because they want to be perfect. Perfectionism doesn't exist. What you think is perfect, I may not think is, is being perfect. Exactly. Uh, so the procrastinator, a, a lot of people fall into this one, especially in the professional world. And, you know, their achievements suffer because they didn't put in that little extra time at the beginning and just get started. And it really makes me sad for those people when I say, man, this would have been really great had you had an extra two hours to polish it. Well, you I, did. You had I, it at the beginning. Yeah. I've had that so many times in critiques. My students hear me say, if you just had that extra time to clean up your edges, to, you know, why do you still have pencil marks on your, you know, on your presentation board? Um, why, you know, why am I seeing tape? You know, so it's, again, it's that polish, you know, it's, it's about the presentation of anything, really anything that we do, if it's presented sloppily and looks last minute, then all the work is moved. So if you procrastinate too much in the beginning, then you don't, you know, leave yourself enough time for that, that polish part. Where do you see the? Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Were you going to no, say because okay. uh, because I, I, I looking at the list that I've made, I'm, I'm wondering where where is a, there a major difference between the overthinker, the spinner, and the procrastinator? Is is the you know because they almost sound like they could be the overthinker. Sounds like that's a, a fancy word for procrastination, but is it how soon they start or yeah? Explain yes. that. You know, so, okay, so the spinner, yes. The spinner, um, a procrastinator can, honestly, I have students who just will sit there at, for a while and they don't take notes, they don't, you know, or they'll leave after I present a project and maybe they won't come in with materials and, and you know, whatever. A spinner is somebody who jumps right in, but jumps right in with the wrong activity. So they'll jump in with planning, doing some more planning, um, talking about it a lot, um, uh, taking a lot of notes, um, looking up a lot of research, doing a lot of prep work, but never actually doing the work. So I call this spinning because this is, you know, something that I find that I do when I'm, you know, um, kind of stressed out or, or kind of life has presented me with a problem I'm trying to kind of figure out is I kind of get in this, this cycle of, of overthinking things. And I think that's really, you know, what a, what a spinner does is they kind of overthink things and they feel like they're working, but they're not actually working. They're talking about working. And I think I mentioned to this to you earlier, I'm a person that I cannot stand meetings because I feel like meetings are a waste of time. Tell me what we're going to do, or let's talk about what we're going to do for five minutes and then let's all go and do it. Um, because we could all talk about different ways to do this or, you know, everybody can come up with their ideas or whatever, but reality is it needs to get done. So let's figure that out quickly and just do it. And I think that's where, um, and this is probably out of all four of these kind of um, processes that I've come up with that I see in students, probably the spinner is the one that's most frustrating to me because they right. look busy, but they're not actually doing anything. And yes. I'm really like my kids know one thing about me is it's fine if you really don't want to do something, if you want to just hang out and relax and be, but if you're going to do something, let's do something, you know, don't 
pretend you're doing things or don't, that's just a waste of time to me. Um, I'm also not a person that sits well waiting for other people. Or <laughs> um, I used, people used to laugh at me because I'd carry a book around with me everywhere because if I had to wait for somebody, I had no patience for that. Um, because I find that to be spinning. Like I could do, be doing so many other things right now. So, and this is not relaxing because this is not where I would want to be relaxing. So I think that's where the, the spinner part, kind of fascinates me is it's doing a lot. It looks like you're doing things, but you're not really doing much. Um, And then they kind of end up with the same kind of problem that the procrastinator does is, is, you know, they end up with very little time at the end. But what I've noticed, it's usually a little different about a spinner is there that kind of overthinking things continues through the project. So then each step is kind of painful for them. Right. They, keep lamenting over things over and over again. And this is also a person that, that I've noticed that has a tendency to kill a project or overdo it. Um, and I talk about that a lot too, is you've got to realize as an artist or in just in life, it's like when to say stop, you know, not every part of life has a stop sign. It's not all driving with very clear road signs and rules is there's a lot of parts of life that are about, um, you know, you knowing when something's finished or when you're finished with something. And definitely with art, um, when you're working on personal artwork or even projects for other people, it's when to know, okay, it's, you know, there's that very fine line between it's good, it's great, and I've killed it. And that's, you know, one thing that I've noticed with this, the spinner is they have a tendency to kind of overdo. So it's overthinking in the beginning, it's over lamenting in the middle, and then it's kind of overdoing at the end. Um, so this is the, the kind of person that I've kind of, you know, let them know that they kind of need to rein themselves in completely, like figure out what your focus is, turn your brain off and focus on that one thing rather than all the other things that this thing could be that you've now thought about adding into it that weren't your original, you know, thoughts in the beginning. So you've made some amazing points there. There's a, there's some terminology that I use for the um, overthinker who constantly looks like they're busy, but they're really not. And it's, it's called worthy fail versus escape fail. And I see this in Los Angeles uh, with, I'm a live coach and I, and I do television hosting and, and whatnot. And there'll be the people who are like, okay, I need to get some clients or I need to get on television and they'll go work on their website. They'll work on their logo. They'll, they'll work on all this stuff, but it's not actually what they should be doing. They should be out there meeting people to get clients or meeting people to get that job. And so they think they're doing a lot of work. And in reality, it's their escape failing. They've got that fear of actually stepping into the project and getting it started. So they'll do other things that they mentally think, well, I'm working towards it because look, I just built my logo. I built my website. Look, teacher, I, I got all the materials together and I'm thinking about everything. Like, well, that's escape failing. You're overthinking instead of the worthy fail is what the no fear person's doing. They're going to go ahead and give you 15 different copies and you're going to give them some pointers and they're going to say, okay, great. Well, I've learned what not to do. And that worthy fail versus escape fail for the listeners out there, this is extremely important to realize because if you're an overthinker and like you said, you're overthinking the beginning, you're lamenting in the middle, and then you have that perfectionism thing at the end. All of that, all three of those are just escape fails towards the actual just get the project started, uh, move quickly through the processes, and then turn it in. And if you didn't do something right, you're going to tell them, Gretchen, you're going to be like, well, this could have been better. And mm-hmm. in the, in, for the next project, focus on this. But great, you've, you've got this one done. You learn from it. You've got to wrap that, that 
that project up in a bow and, and give it away and let the other person open up and receive it. And then you get to learn from what you've done. The longer you sit there and just try to perfectionism that last five or 10%, your escape failing all over the place. And you haven't able, your brain hasn't been able to close that project off and say, okay, I learned this, that, and the other. Let's take that information and let's move it to the next project. Instead, you're sitting over here tinkering with those last little bits and it's, it's never going to get to the point where you're truly happy with it. And you'll be stuck on one project for the whole semester if you let them. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I had a, a student like this last semester, actually, amazing student and, and, and was, was a lot, you know, it, talented uh, but just constantly busy overthinking. And to be quite honest, they ended up working harder than they ever needed to be. And their projects weren't as successful. Uh, and, and we had, and, and then they would tell me, I'm not that happy with it, or I don't like how it, you know, the end result of it. And so we, you know, kind of sat down and had good conversations. Oddly enough, not that open to hearing what, suggestions people would give them um and and kind of always had a commentary about other professors and their techniques and trying to teach them and learning and and I, you know well, i really of course, they're an overthinker they think yeah. they've already thought of every everything you're gonna say they, they in their head they're like i already thought of that i already thought of that they're exactly. an overthinker you know it's you know sometimes i'd look at my son and i just tell him I'm like just be quiet and, and listen to what people are telling you you will learn things. And granted, not everything's valid that everybody says, of course. I mean, there's times I'm, you know, I, I, you know, better days teaching than others or whatever, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying just because somebody's in front of a classroom that they're, they actually have wisdom to impart, but it, you know, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, they're there because they're actually knowledgeable about what, you know, what they're talking about. So if you'll just, quiet down and act and be open to taking those those things in you you know you, there's a lot you can actually learn so and you're right that you know that spinner is not there's so much overthinking going on in there that um it's it's sometimes you know definitely hinders them in many ways other than than just um their own work now we have the vision squander as the last one it, it, in like you had mentioned before. And I think we had talked about um, off the mic. This is the one who, this is me, I, you know, of all of these, I can see this one being the most strong one that located in me where I come out, I come out of it like the gate, Mr. No fear. I'm, I'm ready to slam it. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to procrastinate. Let's get going. And then I just, my energy level towards the project, the closer it comes to completion, it's like, okay, I'm just, I don't want to deal with this one anymore. Right. Let's just, just go away. And I don't have that perfectionism thing at all. Cause I'm like, okay, I've learned everything I'm going to learn from this one. Can I please just go to the next project and, and learn something new? <laughs> and with art, I, I mean, with like with anything, you got to see it to the, to the, to the completion. You've got to be able to make sure, like you said, that the presentation has to be spot on or people are going to think that it's sloppy work regardless of whether it was actually good work or not. You could have the best outfit on, go to the job interview looking as spiffy as possible and you didn't brush your teeth and you didn't comb your hair and no one's going to take you seriously. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? I almost thought of a better um, uh, name for this as, as you were just talking. It's, um, uh, you know, the inexperienced sprinter. You know, it's, it's like being, you know, it, when you're a sprinter, there's, you know, when you're running track, there's two different uh, uh, 
methods, you know, if you're a distance runner, you, you know, you don't start off really fast because you know, you have to conserve your energy, um, uh, to get through and then to get through the end. And then, you know, with sprinters, they go fast, hard and quick. And, and if, um, you're kind of running in the middle of those, you know, kind of in the middle of distance and, and sprinting, um, you have to connect and know how to balance both those, both of those out. Um, I ran, um, track long ago definitely didn't stick with me but uh, I was a distance runner so I was the person who could I loved running you know two miles I was the person who could you know uh, start off strong continue strong and, and finish strong um, and I my coach one time tried to put me in, a, in as a sprinter and I just died because I um, I didn't know what the difference was is that you know you can't um, you got to kind of conserve some of that energy for the end um, so it kind of, that kind of, kind of stuck with me or something you said kind of made that, um, is that's kind of what this is, is they, you know, it's a person that starts off really excited and it's almost like you are so excited in the beginning that you spend so much of your energy and your excitement and then it all just kind of fizzles and goes away. Um, and you know, that's, it's good to understand, um, you know, if you're this type of person, cause you don't want to be known as as the person who doesn't complete anything. And I think that's, that's one of, you know, the ones of all these learning processes that kind of um, makes me uh, the most sad for them is that there is talent and there is, um, you know, drive and passion there. They just kind of lose it along the way. So is it, you know, and this is one probably I don't understand um, probably the most, um, and maybe you can enlighten me a little bit. Is is it that you spend so much of your energy in the beginning and you're so excited that, um, you know, you kind of fizzle out, or is it that you really aren't that motivated and you tried to talk yourself being being motivated and then realize you weren't like in the middle? Of <laughs> well, you know, I I noticed for oh, did you have another or? Oh no, I no, that was it. Yeah. Uh, what I noticed with me is that it, it, let's say it's with one of the the podcast episodes when I get into a flow, I have to allow myself to just continue in that flow. If it's midnight and I'm supposed to be up early in the morning and like, oh, well, it's, it's midnight and this, is, this should be my bedtime and I stop while I'm in the middle of flow, it's going to be very hard for me to get back into flow. And the next day, it might take an hour for me to start tinkering with it. And then all of a sudden, that flow inside of me picks up. So with, with the, let's say, the inexperienced sprinter, the, the idea for me is that I will just stay in the project and see it as close to completion as possible in that first frame. Let's say you give that assignment to the student and they start off and, you know, they just come out with a bang and you think, well, if they know this about themselves, that they're going to, their energy level is going to die off towards the end. Generally for me, what I've found is that my energy won't die off until I stop and like change states, move to a different project, uh, wake up the next day and try to pick it back up that's where I start to, it, it, it just becomes harder for me to get back into that excited state because mm -hmm. it's a very high level of excitement and right. it's going to take some more time to get back in there. Now, an hour or two into it, um, boom, all of a sudden there I am. Um, I find that uh, jumping on an Instagram live or a Facebook live and doing a quick teaching about what I've been learning uh, regarding whatever the topic might be immediately gets me into a high state and then I can sit back down at the computer and I'm, I'm right there. And so it's like trying to return to that emotionally high state 
coming from, you know, like it's like you were saying about the running. If you were running all day the day before and now you get back up, you're probably sore. And so when you first get on that track, you need to warm yourself up. You can't just immediately go right back to sprinting. And I think that's where a lot of the students probably get frustrated because they're like, man, yesterday I was so pumped about this and now I'm not. Well, it's because you've got to get yourself back up to that pace that you were at. So for me, like I'll go to the gym and I'll just get super fired up and then I'll come home and I'll skip the protein shake. I won't shower. I'll I'll barely take off my gym shoes and I'm right back at the computer and I'm working at it. And so I think for those students who see this process within themselves, think about how they can get themselves back up to that energetic level, that state that they were in when they stopped the night before or whenever they stopped and then get them figure out how can they get themselves back up to that level and then dive into the project. And I really think they'll find that the flow is, is waiting for them there. They just have to be patient enough to figure out what it was or what it is that will get them to that point. Right. And that's, I actually, it, it, when you were saying that, I <clears throat> thought of a couple of things, um, you know, people don't realize um, that most historical artists, most very well-known artists worked on many projects at one time. You know, people think, oh, you know, Michelangelo, you know, carved the David, you know, and that's all he was working on. No, he wasn't all he was working on. He was usually working on several at a time, um, as do most artists. And I think it's, you know, um, it's, you know, are things working or, you know, having to wait kind of for, um, you know, something to like, you know, other things to be completed or whatever. Um, but it's, it is, it's about finding that, you know, being able to go back to that, but maybe it's also that you need to be inspired by, you know, like you were saying, you'll listen to a podcast or do something else to kind of find your motivation again, or kind of bring that level back up. And, you know, maybe it's that, you know, you got to figure out what your balance is of, of keeping that motivation and finding that again. Um, I, I think probably my confusion with um, people who are, you know, kind of squander or lose their motivation is that I, and I guess I never really thought about this until I, I said it a little while ago was kind of the, I'm, I'm the endurance person. I, I, um, you know, if I start a project at home, I will work all day until I finish it. You know, I've had friends like, you didn't stop to eat lunch? Nope. (laughs) I forgot there was lunch. I don't, you know, I power through and I'm very determined and motivated. Um, But most, you know, most people don't work that way. Most people like to break things up into chunks. And I think probably I do that because I know that if I go back to it, I'm not going to have that same motivation that I did. So it's kind of an awareness of maybe there is that, you know, um, you know, that loss of motivation person in there somewhere. And I know that if I stop, I'm going to lose my motivation and I don't want to. Um, I'm always amazed by, and this doesn't happen so much at Cal State Fullerton, but I also teach um, uh, at a couple of junior colleges and especially with, there's a different mentality. with the whole environment of junior colleges, it's, you know, they, junior colleges don't expect as much from students, which is unfortunate in my opinion. Um, and, and very much a a thing of contention with me, but they don't expect as much from students as they do from a four-year university. And you have a lot of students who will start coming at the beginning of the semester. And then, you know, junior colleges will let a student drop up until the 12th week or 11th week of a 16 week semester or later. And that always amazes me. I always wonder why would you go all this time and work this hard 
to then stop and not come anymore. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, um, you know, I always tell my students, it's like running a marathon. You, you know, run this long distance and then you get to, you know, envision, you know, the, the, the finish lines in sight and you just stop and go, yeah, no, I'll just, I'll stop here. I don't need to cross that finish line. Like, I would, you know, crawl or be dragged across the finish line if I had to. Like, I'm just not somebody who quits easily. So that type of person, I think, is the person that probably baffles me the most. And maybe it's because I know that there's that in me somewhere, but I've um, figured out ways to maneuver around it or whatever. I don't know. Well, that makes a lot of sense because I've brought this up to to my clients, to my peers. It's I I don't I you know, and I've used the marathon thing. Like who who runs twenty two miles and then just stops with only four point two left to go? Like you know, you've got to you've got to see the you've got to see whatever you're doing to completion and and your your hope, your goal, what what you're working toward is maintaining that that same pace throughout. And it can be difficult. And I I am a firm believer that one of the successful habits that we all need to create is just the ability to figure out a way to maintain that motivation and that pace throughout. And if you get to the end and it's not everything you wanted it to be, great, you've learned. But if you did 110% of your effort throughout and then that last mile, you're like, I'll just stop and walk. But it's like, but you were doing so well. Right. <laughs> Don't stop and walk, just power through it. And then you get right. to the end and you'll realize, ah, through mile 13 through 18, I didn't drink enough water, whatever it might be. And so I, and so, and like you said, being aware of these learning styles and people, I, I firmly believe being aware of what you're aware of is taking it to another level. If I'm aware that I've got this vision squander, this inexperienced sprinter in me, now how can I be more aware of what that, of, of how to overcome it? And it's working with these podcasts, like, you know, I am one of those people. I've got all these interviews planned. I've got all these episodes that I'm shooting. And so for two weeks, it is just work, 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 work. Um, and the whole reason I do that is because I know right now it's, it's the marathon. I'm super pumped. I'm super excited. If I drag these things out and make it take a long time to, to get the first three months done, then I'm going to find myself, you know, wore out and my brain's going to be like, oh, we could have already had this done and we could be moving on to this part of the project. Let's get that part started. Exactly. It is. It's, it's a lot like the, the race. I mean, if you go back to the race analogy, if, if you're running, if you're pumped, you've trained, you know what you're doing, you're there with your gear on, you've got your number on, you're at the, you're at the, you know, at, at the, you know, the, the gun goes off in the beginning and you're, you know, mentally prepared that this is going to be painful, but you're ready to do this. And then somebody stops you in the middle and tells you to take a break you lose so much motivation, you know, who wants to get back up and be in all that pain again? You know, it's, 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 you know, how do you deal with that break? uh, Do you keep walking? Do you keep moving anyway? Like I would probably run backwards. I mean, would be my, like, I, I am, if I stop, then I'm going to lose my motivation. So I don't stop. Um, so you make a great point right there. I mean, when you first start back up, let's say you had to stop, then start back at the beginning and you could review your work and you could see if there's some things that maybe you didn't spend enough time on because you were in such flow. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. I'll get to that when it's time to polish. Well, then start to polish. When you mentioned Michelangelo and David, I can't help but think that if he took 
a month off of that and came back, he wouldn't just pick up the hammer and chisel right away. He might walk around with some sandpaper and just start polishing certain parts just to right. get his energy back on to David and to get right. his, his, his focus. Cause that's really what it comes down to before you were in pain and you have, but you didn't notice it cause you were focused. Then right. you stopped and now you got to start back up again. And you're like, Oh, but that, you know, this, yeah. my, my knees it hurt, hurt so bad when I had to stop. I don't want to start again. I don't, I don't want to start it up. And so with all of these, you know, there, there's the component of get in there, get started and just stay in that flow. And when you have to stop, right, let's say whatever project you've given, there may, there may be one that you cannot just do all in one day. You might literally physically have to stop to 36 hours of straight working on a project just may not be possible. The, what I think would be a good successful habit for, for those out there to create and for all of us to create is figuring out a way to get ourselves back into the flow, whether it's listening to a podcast, shooting a Facebook live, going to the gym, whatever it is, talking to other students about it, get yourself fired up. I love the gym because while I'm there, my brain is just firing on all cylinders. And as soon as I get home, whatever project I was thinking about while I was there is I am, I am ready to go. And that works for me. For somebody else, it might be watching meditating or doing yoga or watching a nature show, whatever it is, find it and then know it, be aware of that's how I can get back into flow and then utilize it every single time you need to get yourself back into that state. Right. And I think all this basically comes down to self-awareness, you know, be aware of your process. Are you a procrastinator? Are you the person that jumps in and, you know, spins for a while? Um, are you the endurance, like, you know, know your process, know how you work and knowing yourself isn't easy. It's, it's taking a good hard look at, um, and being real with yourself. You know, we have an easier time sometimes being real with other people than ourselves, but, um, really looking, that's admitting that we have faults and nobody likes to admit that they have faults, but, you know, I think that's, um, as part of growth is, you know, really understanding and being aware of yourself and then figuring out how to work through, those, you know, how you deal with things, your process. Um, I have my son's just been diagnosed with um, dyslexia and I keep trying to tell him that it's not, he keeps thinking that he's dumb. And I said, no, your brain just works differently. So, and that's fine. All our brains work differently. Everybody's brain works differently. You just have to utilize different tools to get it to, you know, to, to work through, um, the the daily things and and knowing those tools, you know, we were talking today with his teacher and his <clears throat> his guidance counselor guidance counselor about you know him the fact that he has now started to realize he has to grab a highlighter and highlight the important parts of instructions and he's doing that on his own for the first time and I I almost started crying honestly it's just been such a struggle because I was like great you know he's finally gotten over the hurdle of that it's that he has, you know, not seeing it as faults, but just tools to get through life. And, um, and that we all work differently. And none of those are, you know, really good or bad or whatever. That's just how it is. We all function differently. And it's being aware of how you function and how to make it work best in life. And I think that's kind of all that it comes down to is figuring yourself out. And now that I'm saying this is those, you know, you asked me in the beginning, the students who, you know, I know that are going to be successful, you know, um, what did I see in them? And maybe those are students who have figured themselves out, 
you know, and maybe that's really what it comes down to is really taking a hard look at yourself and figuring yourself out and figuring out how, figuring out how to function best in life. That's a great way of putting it. You know, I, in my sobriety and recovery, one of my favorite sayings there is just because my path looks different than yours doesn't mean I'm lost. And for all of these students out there who have a different path that their brain works on different path for their life, releasing the ego and saying, it's if Gretchen tells me I could have done something better, don't take that as an ego hit. Take that as a learning moment. If you're, whether you're no fear, whether you're a procrastinator, a spinner slash overthinker, the inexperienced sprinter, a vision squander, like none of these are bad. It, right. Just be aware of what you're in and then utilize that. Exactly. You know, just utilize what, what you're in. And if, if, if you cannot make it work for you, if it is no longer serving you, then yes, by all means, that this is the point where you need to start micro habiting and changing that, that habit that you've created. But at no point should you think, Oh, I'm just, I'm stupid or I'm dumb or I'm never going to figure this out because there are plenty of people like your son who are dyslexic. Oh, I've gone off and, and I see them on television. I see them being very successful as journalism majors and, and now writers and, and actual producers of content and they have a problem with you know putting words and letters in different orders and they're literally having a career that is all about putting words and letters in the correct order (laughs) so it's 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 absolutely possible it's just knowing which one of these four you are and then having that tenacity and that drive and that motivation to to push yourself through and once they start to get these little victories with these assignments with you and they start to see okay i'm figuring this out better their motivation to keep pushing through is just, it, I promise you guys, it's going to, you'll be marveled at how much and how fast you can change when you put the effort into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you have been fantastic. I have enjoyed this conversation greatly. Thank you so much for being on the show and, and talking about these, these uh, four major learning processes. I'm sure we talked that you had, you've seen more, but I think if you were to take all those other ones, you would find them within these four. And I think it'll be great for the listeners out there who aren't self-aware enough to have noticed these in themselves to have heard them out loud and think, okay, which one am I and what can I do to have that work for me? Right. Absolutely. Gretchen, thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me and um, letting me, you know, it's it, interesting when you approach me with, you know, possibly talking about what I see in students that's successful. I, it's, you know, I didn't even realize that, um, I could probably share some of these, um, you know, different ways of processing uh, our problems in life or, you know, our, our goals in life uh, with anybody else other than my students. So I really love that I've had the opportunity to do that. So I hope it, you know, enlightened your listeners a little bit and um, I enjoyed myself. So thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. I know it's going to enlighten because even if they see this in themselves, now they'll be able to start seeing other ones in, in the friends. You know, a lot of a lot about college is, is about collaboration and working with other people. And so seeing these learning processes and these action processes in their friends and coworkers and in their families, and it, I think it's going to really help people a lot. And for y'all want to learn a little bit more about this, by all means, jump over on the show notes. We're going to have listed these out and uh, I'll make sure that there's any social media links that you need uh, from Gretchen will be over there. For me, everything's at Jesse Mogul. By all means, uh, go over there, subscribe, rate, review, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify. Go over there, give me some feedback. Tell me what you guys thought about this. I really think this information is going to help you greatly in seeing in yourself how you learn and how you get your work done. It's absolutely fantastic. Thank you again, Gretchen, for being on the show. This has been great. Until next time, go out there, make successful habits. Remember, it's all about the positive outcome. Take care now. 